With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way throughout the rest of the season. Make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember that primetime is brought to you by our friends over at freemanmazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show because it's a new week. It's the first time that I that I talk to you guys, and I'm kind of glad about that, not going to lie, because it really served me well watching re-watching that game today. And the reason is that it was such a weird flow for last night's win over the Indianapolis Colts. At one point, it was super frustrating, and it's funny to me how sometimes – the Cowboys can go three and out to start a game, and then they struggle a tiny bit on defense, and suddenly it's Armageddon on social media. And I get it. I, I mean, I feel that way my, myself when watching the game live, but re-watching the game with a cooler head today uh, really, really worked for me. And the truth is, that was a massive win. There's a lot to clean up. But there's a lot to like and love from this game particularly. And here is where I drop my first question of the show in the, in the Facebook chat and YouTube chat. What was your favorite part of last night's win? You can go with a moment. You can go with a specific thing about the game. Let me know in the chat what was your favorite part about last night's win. We've got Celia here on Facebook. We've got C. John Jones, uh, also Eric over at Facebook. John Jones was at the game. It was awesome. He says, man, I can imagine how the stadium turns up in a 54-point performance. Miserable Toxic says, winning was my favorite part of the, of the game. Uh, Kevin Knight goes with Deron Bland, getting two interceptions. Shout out to the fifth-round rookie. That was a great performance. For Blant, and we will also get into it when we get into one of the two championship traits that we'll talk about tonight. Halftime adjustments, says Peter Rizzo. Malik Hooker dominance over his former team, says Charlene's. Kevin says Hooker get back a nothing like a good revenge game. My favorite part of the win, not going to lie, was the fact that the Cowboys, to me, did boast two champion traits in their huge win. It's true. The Cowboys need to be a little bit more consistent about how they start football games. They don't want to put themselves in uncomfortable positions in which suddenly uh, you cannot run the football as much or you cannot pass or rush the opponent quarterback as much. You, you want the Cowboys. If you are the Cowboys and you want to do what you do best, which is probably rush the passer, but also running that football behind that physical offensive line that you've got, 
you want to be ahead in, in, in ball games. So there's definitely an argument to be made that that is a negative, just not starting the games right. But also, I would put more weight into how the Cowboys have been finishing games than to how they have been starting it. Because if you look at past champions, and I'm not talking only about Super Bowl champions, but also the teams that play in the conference championship weekend, they're usually teams that can finish games, that can put teams away. And the Cowboys have done that consistently. And re-watching the game, it's clear that when something's not going the Cowboys' way, and it can be Dak Prescott looking a little bit off target in the first half, or it can be Anthony Brown getting burned in a deep pass by Matt Ryan. But you have a, a such a complete roster that it will average things out and show that you are a 9-3 and three team and you are a contender in the NFL. And this is what I'm talking about. How about these sequence? After the Cowboys make it, 28 to 19. To me, that was the point in which I felt comfortable about the game. That was when uh, it, it isn't that I was scared about losing the game in the first half or anything like that. I always thought that the Cowboys were going to end up walking away with the win. But when they made it 28 to 19, I don't know if you guys felt the same as me, but it was like, okay, I can exhale a huge sigh of relief. And then these happened. These wild sequence happened. Malik Cooper, Malik Cooper gets the scoop and score, 34 to 19 Cowboys. Deron Bland gets his first pick of the game. That sets up a 30-yard touchdown rush by Tony Pollard. Then Deron Bland gets another pick, sets up Ezekiel Elliott's touchdown, 47 to 19, and the best celebration ever. And Oza Odigisuwa forces a fumble. Williams recovers it, and that sets up a Malik Davis touchdown run. 54 to 19. At that point, the Cowboys were not even trying that much. Uh, Malik Davis wanted his touchdown, though. He got it. 54 to 19. The Cowboys are finishing ball games, and they did that against the Vikings. You can argue they even did that against the New York Giants, even though the score was 20 to 20. You know that that final touchdown came in quote unquote garbage time. They did so even against the Chicago Bears. They didn't do it, obviously against the Green Bay Packers because that's the game that they lost. But I think that the fact that the Cowboys are being able to finish games and put teams away is really what you want to see from them moving forward. And I would definitely put more weight into that versus how they're starting games because when you compare how championship caliber teams execute week in and week out, I think it's it's a more common characteristic to be able to finish Ball games, and there have been data analysis studies on this, and how it is a common trait for teams that want to go to the big one. And honestly, when you rewatch that game, it was a slow, shaky first half, one hundred percent. But also, the Cowboys looked pretty efficient in the second half. And you look at the EPA per play numbers and all of that, and even Dak Prescott had an above-average game on that one. Now, Mr. Will Toxic says, Mo, go rewatch that San Francisco game. You need to stop playing with fire. And I 100% agree. I don't want this to come off the wrong way. This is not me saying, oh, the Cowboys will be fine every time that they start a game with a, with a wrong foot. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it is a fact that the Cowboys have that trait of finishing games. And it's also, in my opinion, not like they have consistently started slow either. 
They have done so multiple times, but it isn't like it's happening every single game. And the Vikings game is a recent example of the opposite taking place. Mr. Will Toxic says, did Philly beat Indy when Saturday was the head coach? Yes, they did. 17 to 16. Very different ball game. The one against uh, the one between the Eagles and the Colts. I think that one in particular was more about the Colts being able to run the football on the Eagles. And that really didn't happen from versus the Cowboys. I don't think that Dallas was getting burned on defense as much as it appeared at first. They put together a couple of very nice drives. The Colts did surprisingly efficient drives. But other than that deep throw versus Anthony Brown and the play in which they burned Trayvon Diggs, who wanted that interception, and maybe he bit too hard on that in-breaking route before they hit him with a double move on the outside. I think that the Cowboys defense had a pretty good game, even in the first half, even though the Colts had 19 points on them. No, nah, they didn't have 19 points back uh, at that point. They had uh, 13, excuse me. But I think that the Cowboys defense was actually playing better than the scoreboard suggested. And the, the Colts were not running on the Cowboys like they did on the Eagles, for example. Let's see. Bruce says, Mo, I had no worries about this game at halftime. 13 to 21 Cowboys, 21 to 13 at half. And I agree with that. I really do agree with that. I don't, I was not worried about losing the game. I think it was more frustrating to see them start off slow and to see that opening three and out and to see that Dak Prescott interception, whether you want to blame Michael Gallup for the for for going to the ground instead of fighting for the ball or whether you want to blame Dak Prescott. I think you need to blame a little bit both both of them. But it was frustrating. It it was. But even you even when you rewatch the game, you kind of realize it wasn't all that bad. Uh, Dak did have some some inaccurate throws, which is always an issue, but it's not like we're going to start worrying about whether or not Dak is a good quarterback because he clearly is. But he did have a, a very shaky drive that proved to be costly. And some of those points that the Cowboys defense allowed in the first half were because of very unfortunate starting field positions for them as a defensive unit. But anyways, the game blew up. The Cowboys got up big in the second half. 54-19 was the final score. That was one of the two champion traits that I want to talk about tonight. Number two in my list is just the takeaways. The Cowboys were plus four in takeaways against the Indianapolis Colts. You saw the Darren Bland getting the two interceptions. You saw the forced fumble by Damon Clark, the forced fumble by Oza Odigisuwa, both of them at, in key moments. Malik Hooker getting the interception, getting one of those forced fumbles back into the end zone for the score. And suddenly, the Cowboys are once more the number two team in the NFL in takeaways. That would put them at second behind the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's been consistent. And what I love about this is that they're not in the lead for the, for, or among the leaders in the NFL for takeaways because Trayvon Diggs has 11 picks and he's on a historic run. No, 
they're doing so consistently. And Mike McCarthy talked about it post-game. He mentioned that the Cowboys not only train on it, but they do spend a lot of extra time watching extra video to find those opportunities and that the Cowboys players really eat it up. But then I also loved what Darren Bland had to say after the game when he talked about it's not only about being aggressive because you don't want to get too greedy. They, he was asked if after the first interception, do you get greedy? That was the question that was asked to the rookie cornerback. And he said, you do get greedy, but we have a philosophy on the defense. I'm paraphrasing, but Deron Bland said, we say no chasing. There's no chasing for takeaways. There's no chasing for the interception that is not coming your way, or you're not trying to strip a player of the football in a plane, which you're not in a position to do that. There's no chasing on the Cowboys defense. You need to be patient. And De'Ron Bland was patient on Sunday, got two passes thrown his way that were favorable for him to go get it. He did. There you go. Two interceptions. And then McCarthy made a great point, in my opinion, also in his press conference when he said, we don't look only at how many takeaways did we have. We track opportunities to take away the football. And he said that maybe the Cowboys were in double digits on that game versus the Colts. He said that is a sign that your defense is flying around and getting itself in good positions. And you guys know when you watch this Cowboys team, they are in, in that kind of position. And here's the thing, and, and here's the point that I wanted to make. It's not only about this year. There's evidence that backs up the idea that there is luck involved when you evaluate how many takeaways a defense has. But this is the Cowboys being second in the NFL in takeaways. Last year, they were first. And even the year before that. So that means before Dan Quinn even arrived at Dallas, the Cowboys were in the top 10 in the NFL of takeaways. That 2020 season with Mike Nolan as a defensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy's squad was top 10 in the league in takeaways. So that is, they were actually ninth in the NFL. So that is, if, the, if this pace continues for the Cowboys, that is three consecutive seasons, all of Mike McCarthy's seasons, in which your defense is taking the ball away. So suddenly, Cowboys fans should be happy to realize that you have a coaching staff that really prioritizes that and tries to find that value on, on defense. And I think that is pretty exciting, especially when considering what was the case beforehand, what was the case under Rod Marinelli's year and Jason Garrett's years. The Cowboys were consistently an average team to bottom 12 in the league team when it came to takeaways. Not anymore. The Cowboys are really consistent about this, and you have to love that. And here's where it gets even better, ladies and gentlemen. Hear me out. Five different players have at least one interception this season. Five different players have at least one interception in 2022. Drop your guess in the comments. I want to see what you guys have to say. Drop your guess without looking it up on how many players for the Cowboys have forced a fumble this season. Drop your guess on that. Do that for me. While you drop your guesses, and before I give you the actual number, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net because we've got a new ride of the week, and this time it's the 2023 
Mazda CX-9 Touring all-wheel drive. This one starts at $40,495. It's got all-wheel drive, third row seating, perfect for families, Wi-Fi hotspot, which is a game changer. It's got a sunroof, side impact airbags because safety is first, and of course, a miles per gallon capacity of 20 when you are in the city that goes up to 26 when you are in the highway so make sure you check out the 2023 mazda cx9 touring all-wheel drive over at their website a family-owned business for over 65 years you get an a-plus customer service and remember when you choose freeman mazda you're choosing a lifelong partnership with your car dealer check them out over at freemanmazda.net Let's see some of your guesses. 53 says miserable, toxic. <laughs> he says 11, Lumen. 6 to midnight, it goes with 7. Charlene Evans goes with 10, 9. The correct number is 13. 13 different Dallas Cowboys players have forced a fumble this season. And that is including special teams. But that really talks to you about how the Cowboys are approaching defense and special teams and how they're approaching the one true statistic that really predicts ball games, which is turnover differential. And while you have a quarterback that wants to go out there and be a little bit more risk accepting with the football and he wants to throw open receivers, like he said, and he wants to take more risks down the field, suddenly you're more comfortable doing that with a defense that consistently takes the ball away. <laughs> Shout out to Joey Bella. He got it right. He said 13. Shout out to him. He, he guessed it. He says, I guessed it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Russell says, wow, that was my reaction when finding that number out this morning over at Pro Football Reference, I spent more time that I am proud to admit in that website and many other stats websites just looking for random stuff. And that one blew me away. 13 players with a forced fumble, and then you have five players with an interception. Leron Bland suddenly tied with Trayvon Diggs. I don't know if somebody had that bold prediction coming into the season, but that Deron Bland and Trayvon Diggs would be tied for interceptions well, uh, 13 weeks into the season, kind of a crazy one uh, out there. But yeah, those are my two champion traits for the Cowboys. Number one, they're being able to put games away. And number two, they're taking the ball away at a very high rate. And it's not only that, it's that it's their third consecutive season doing that. And there's some value to that. I, I really think so. If, uh, for example, last year we talked about oh yeah, the Cowboys defense is good, but they need to be good without taking the ball away. And they actually were. And that was kind of an overblown storyline. The Cowboys were still a top three defense in success rate, for example. But it is very comforting to see and very reassuring, not comforting, uh, comforting reassuring to learn that this is, the, this is the third year in which this is the case. Good information, Momos is Lumen. Hey, thank you to Lumen. Stubby says, Skip Bayless said that he gave a one to this Cowboys performance. Stubby, uh, that is Skip Bayless for you. That, that, <laughs> I mean, I, I've given up with that. I, it's not even his opinion, to be honest. But anyways, moving on 
Moving on a little bit here, let's get to the primetime performer of the game. And then after that, we will get into a pressing issue for the Cowboys, which is a situation going on at cornerback. Before we, before you guys tell me who's your primetime performer of the game, do me a favor though. And if you're watching on Facebook and or YouTube, hit that thumbs up, put this show in front of more Cowboys fans because every like does that with the algorithm. Uh, that is the biggest and simplest way that you can help out the show. So do me a favor and, and hit the thumbs up. So ladies and gentlemen, who is your primetime performer of the game? This one is a, it, that, hey, <laughs> it is a complicated question for this game, isn't it? You can go defense, but then who are you choosing? Are you choosing Malik Hooker, who had his coupon score and, an, and a pick? Are you choosing Deron Blant, who had two interceptions, but maybe those came at the end of the game and you don't want to give it to him because of that? Or do you want to go with offense and maybe hand it to the guy that the one guy was he the one guy? Tony Pollard, who had over 100 yards, is what I meant, total yards. Or do you want to give him to me? And, and by the way, Pollard averaged over seven yards per carry, an overlooked portion of last night's game, in my opinion. Let's see, who who, who do you guys have? CeeDee Lamb says, Russell, 6 to midnight, says, I'm going with two, Bland and Hooker. Malik Davis says, Joey Bella, some love for the rookie running back. It's got to be Hooker or Bland, says Bruce. CeeDee Lamb says, Charlene Evans. The defense collectively, says Tuffy. If this was, you know, if I had thought about bending the rules like that, I also would agree with Stubby. I think that I would give it to the defense collectively. Lumen says, Ezekiel Elliott. LV played T, uh, JT very well, says Miserable Toxic. Hey, LVE, we've been saying this for a while on primetime. The guy deserves more respect than he is getting out there. And I think that's changed over the last few weeks. Little by little, I think that people are admitting that LVE has actually been a, a good linebacker this season. Gallup, says Martin, and I love the Gallup pick because he did score two touchdowns and he was massive in the way that the Cowboys turned the game around. But I got to go, ladies and gentlemen, I got to go with none other than wide receiver C.D. Lamb, seven targets, five catches, 71 yards receiving-wise. Out of those 71 yards, 52 came after the catch. He also scored a touchdown for the Cowboys. Then he also had those two carries for over 20 yards running the football. And it felt to me like when the Cowboys needed somebody to inject some life to the offense, C.D. Lamb was the guy that delivered. Even the first touchdown. That came in third and nine. Lamb is running an underneath route. You can also, hey, when you watch that play again, you can make the argument that the Colts nickel defender actually read that pretty well. He knew what the Cowboys were doing, trying to get Lamp open underneath for him to make some damage after the catch. Brings him down. Doesn't finish the tackle, though. And CD finds a way to keep running. Great awareness, by the way, by number 88. McCarthy said after the game that the Cowboys made it a point of emphasis this week to exploit the Colts and their tackling issues. So maybe that's something that the Cowboys noticed that the Cowboys noticed on tape. But he he injected some life to this offense. That could have been 
a very different outcome for Dallas. And Dak Prescott went to CD Lamp in a lot of big spots, even in the second half. I think that he is the guy that made the difference offensively. But also a lot of stuff to really point out. Uh, because CD Lamp, even though he is my primetime performer of the game, I love that that Michael Gallup was brought up because he also came up big in key spots. How about Dak Prescott connecting with him in the back shoulder throw in the end zone? That was a big-time catch by Michael Gallup. It was a fun game in that aspect once things calmed down a little bit, once the stress died down uh, of, of, being, of struggling against the Colts early in the game. Let's see. Michael Gallup's poll. Let's see. Oh, my city for the touchdown, says Tubby. That was an awesome moment. That really was. Guinness is awesome. Martistic looking at Mo giving Lamb this award says uh, Toxic Tom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Gallops is crazy. Who else? Who else is getting some love in the chat? Jalen Tolbert did a great job working the deep and dots sand last night. Says Miserable Toxic. Man, I don't want to pile on the guy, but there was a moment in which, and I, I need to find that a play. There was a moment in which Tolbert is kind of open in that underneath route. And watching the game live, I was like, in a fraction of a second, I was like, oh, Tolbert is open. And then I was like, oh, Dex, Dex not throwing it to Tolbert. And in that game, he went deep. I'm not saying that he didn't target Tolbert intentionally, but it was kind of a funny moment to me that, oh, Tolbert's wide open. And then it was like, oh, no, he's not, he's not finding Tolbert in that one. I think it was more about... I think it was more about how the play developed, to be fair. But it was just a funny moment that I'm sharing with you. I love teams, says Stubby, that are led by a hard-nosed defense. And the Cowboys seem to have a damn good one. And hard-nosed defense is exactly what I thought about when Jonathan Hankins tossed that offensive lineman away before getting the tackle for a loss. Big moment for, for Jonathan Hankins. And, I, and hey, the defense is quite good. And I think that when you watch a lot of these plays versus the run even, you kind of find out why they are top 10 in success rate and why, why they are top 10 in DBOA versus the run. Even, even in that aspect, even in that aspect, I think that the Cowboys defense is looking fiery. And that is awesome. That is awesome. So that's my primetime performer of the game, though. Uh, CD Lamp thought about giving it to a defender. Silver Lightning says Malik Cooker, especially against his old team. Six to midnight makes a very compelling argument for Bland, though. He says he had eight tackles, two pass breakups, and then the two interceptions to go with it. And ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Daron Bland. Let's talk about it. He will be huge for the Cowboys moving forward. My question for me to you is, is Anthony Brown's injury a big deal, small deal, or no deal? Anthony Brown, always in the center of controversy for the Cowboys and how fans look at the player starting outside cornerback. Is it a big deal, small deal, or no deal that he is out for the season with an Achilles injury, and suddenly 
the Cowboys need to find out how to do things in the secondary. Keep in mind, this is the second starter that the Cowboys lose at the position. So you went from having Trayvon Diggs, Jordan Lewis, and Anthony Brown, with Jordan Lewis being the nickel cornerback, to having Trayvon Diggs, De'Ron Bland, potentially staying inside. More on that later. And then who exactly on the outside? Let's see some of your comments here. Small deal, says Lumen. No deal for Charlie and Evans. Small deal for six to midnight. Miserable says big deal because Kelvin Joseph looks lost. Russell says big deal if we don't go sign someone. Need depth too. Dallas depth looking thin as hell, says Miserable. And hey, the, the quote is always, you can't ever have enough cornerbacks. That is one of the biggest cliches in NFL football. And the Cowboys are living in this world right now. Big deal. This was his last game, says Joey Vela. It's a big deal. You're going to have to unleash the game record, says Paul over here in the Facebook chat. I'm going to go with big deal. I'm, I'm actually going to go with huge deal. I think that losing Anthony Brown is going to be a very overlooked blow to the Cowboys defense. He is going to be missed in coverage, I think. You guys know that one of my principles when talking about NFL football is that the he cannot be worse than, you know, you can fill in that blank however you want. That is, that is always a sign of trouble. And a lot of people have said that Kelvin Joseph cannot be worse than Anthony Brown. And I'm here to say you, to tell you that he might just be <laughs> worse than Anthony Brown and that I would even argue that when he has been on the field, he has already been worse than Anthony Brown. Does that mean that there is no hope for Kelvin Joseph? No, but it does mean that he needs to show us something that he honestly hasn't up to this point. And I think that Dan Quinn is in for a very tough and important decision to make. How do you go about things? Bland is looking quite good. My, my respect to Jaron Bland. He has exceeded my expectations. I'm not going to say that he's been the perfect nickel cornerback because I don't think that he has been perfect. He isn't supposed to be perfect. Let's be very clear. Not criticizing the guy or anything. But he has looked good enough. Do you keep him inside? Because you guys know that playing outside corner and playing nickel corner, two different worlds. Two different worlds to live in, in the football field. So... What exactly does Dan Quinn do in this situation? Do you say, let's play the best guy on the outside and let's try to find a guy that can play inside and maybe that can be Kelvin Joseph, but maybe in that world, you can have a little bit more flexibility because you can play a tree safety set and suddenly you're not that worried about having to play two backup cornerbacks. You can essentially play one if we are starting to consider Deron Bland a starter instead of a backup. And maybe you can find Jaron Curie, Zanavon Wilson, and Malik Cooker on the field is a better combination than whatever three cornerback combination that you can come up with right now. Or do you leave Bland untouched inside and hope for the best with Kelvin Joseph? Or maybe you get involved, uh, you get Kendall Sheffield involved in the conversation. McCarthy 
with a very important piece of information this morning. He said that the Cowboys have been working Sheffield as an outside corner since he joined the team. That is a guy that is likely getting signed to the roster or elevated from the practice squad pretty soon here. What exactly do you do with the Cowboys, right? I'm not going to label KJ a bust yet, but he hasn't looked very good, says Tommy915. And perhaps the one argument to not label him a bust just yet that I would use is that we have not seen him start. We have not seen him consistently on the playing field. And love it or hate it, it's mostly been because Anthony Brown has played good football for the last two seasons. He gets burnt in some of those deep situations, I know. But he's also been pretty good in the short game, in the intermediate game. He gets a lot of pass breakups. That Malik Cooker interception does not happen if it's not because of Anthony Brown, for example. One of the one of the uh, interceptions in this game, the one with Malik Cooker. So Anthony Brown will be missed. So yeah, oh, I actually see it mentioned in the in the chat right now. He says, 60 Midnight says, Anthony Brown was in on the pass breakup. He really was. So, to be fair to Kelvin Joseph, that might be how he proves us wrong. The fact that we have not seen enough of a body of work for us to say, oh, he's a bust because of the way that he's played. I think that we are looking at it more from an angle of, he is a bust because he hasn't played. And then the penalties on special teams definitely do not help, right? But right now, until proven otherwise on the playing field, it feels more like wishful thinking for Kelvin Joseph and what expects him at cornerback. Now, a lot of people have asked about uh, free agent cornerbacks I don't know if there's one that you should be excited about available out there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys go and sign somebody. But I also don't think that it will be an addition that will eliminate this concern. And remember, and remember, how well the Cowboys have been in coverage and in pass defense has allowed the Cowboys to be very creative with their pass rush. Dan Quinn has done a tremendous job tying his back-end coverage into what he does up front. And even though the Cowboys are not among the teams that blitz at the highest rates in the NFL, they always have that tool. They, they always have that possibility in their toolbox. They can always draw up a creative blitz, and they did a lot of that on last night's win over the Colts. Donovan Wilson sacks Matt Ryan. Being untouched, they mess up with the Colts' pass protection rules and they get the most out of it. Anthony Barsack, more of the same. And they've done that the entire season. Six to Midnight says, has KJ played any snaps in the slot? Very few ones. I think one of the plays in which he was burned in the Green Bay Packers game came out of the slot, actually. Kelvin Joseph really has not done much for the Cowboys. So, and I think that when, when 
we talked about him a lot when he was drafted. We always projected him as an outside guy that can play man-to-man -man coverage. Asante Samuel Jr. was right there too. This is miserable, toxic, you know, putting salt in the wound. Does Sherman get a call? Says Clemente Espinosa. Some people have written articles about it. I don't know. I don't know if Richard Sherman even wants to play football right now. I don't know if he is in, in football shape for it. Craig says we need to forget about Beckham and get Kevin King and, and or AJ Bowie. Yeah. Charlene says, Mo, in your opinion, who's the weak link on defense? Right now, it's definitely whoever starts outside at the corner. I would wholeheartedly say that. And I wouldn't even hesitate to say it. Right now, the weak link on defense is whoever starts outside at cornerback. And I'm going to include, I might include even Bland if they move him outside. And, and this is not me hating on their own Bland. He has been very good. He's a very promising rookie. And he will likely have a decent career in the NFL. But we talked about it before the Packers game. On primetime, we said, you know what? This is the kind of game in which you know that the opposing quarterback should be able to find the target that he wants and he should be able to go at it. And Rodgers attacked Blanth in, in several occasions. So I would say that whoever starts on the outside, because maybe on the inside, you get a little bit of additional help a lot of the time because the Cowboys still play a lot of single high coverages and that should help him out. What about Easy playing some corner to six to midnight? I think that this is 100% a possibility. I think that Easy could look quite well at nickel. I've always been an Easy fan. You guys know that. I think that's a possibility. I think whoever starts at, at outside corner is your weakest link on defense. But yeah, moving forward, that's how that's one of the things to figure out about this Cowboys team. How will Dan Queen go about? Fixing the secondary because it does need some fixing. Is your answer to simply make one switch and put KJ in there and hope for the best? Or are you going to make several tweaks, which would Fisher maybe Bland being pushed to the outside and maybe a combination of big nickel sets to replace your nickel cornerback? Or maybe you make Israel Mukwamu completely change his positions because one thing is to have a big nickel package in which there is a third safety in there. And another thing is to tell Easy from now on, you are a corner, my dude. It's different. We'll see how Dan Queen figures this puzzle out. But to me, that is the most intriguing storyline moving forward for the rest of the regular season, potentially. Let's see what uh, Queen does, and let's hope that the Cowboys' defense doesn't suffer a lot after Brown's injury. I think that this is a huge deal, ladies and gentlemen. I think that losing Anthony Brown really, really messes with, with your defense and what you want to do with it. Stephen Jones said that he's already worried about having to pay plant. <laughs> Says miserable, toxic. There you go. Uh, speaking of paying guys... OBJ right now in his visit with the Dallas Cowboys. There's already apparently a, a date for 
for visit number two, quote unquote, because OBJ said that the Cowboys and him are meeting again on Tuesday. So let's see what happens there. But anyways, that will be it for me tonight here on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I really appreciate it that you guys took a moment out of your day to hop on and talk with me a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. Really, really appreciate you joining the show. Do me a favor and hit the thumbs up. Enjoy the second half of Monday Night Football. The winner might be in a position to face the Cowboys in the wildcard round. So maybe some scouting to be done in there as well. I missed y'all. Hey, anytime the Cowboys play on Sunday night and I need to wait until Monday to talk to you guys about the, about the game, it feels a little bit longer. So excited to talk to you about the Cowboys. Thank you to Charlene. Thank you, Lumen, Ines, Craig, Joey, Toxic, Samuel, Bruce, everyone who brings it in the chat as always. And also to those who don't, uh, because hey, they're usually the majority. So if so, if you watch the show and you never comment, uh, I also appreciate you joining the show and tuning into prime time every single night. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I will see you tomorrow night. Prime time was brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Have a fantastic start to the week, and I will see you mañana a las ocho de la noche. Adios.